straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. Interviews with top third finishers from Texas Malifaux tournaments uh, here in the Lone Star Conference of the USFO Tour with a focus on helping level up all the rest of us that aren't in the top third. We do this really by pulling lessons. We, we really try to take an in-depth look at a single game from each of our guests. We're not trying to capture their entire tournament journey here. We're just trying to pull lessons from single games for them. And uh, I'm Clay, and uh, with me today uh, is Doug. Hello, hello. Yes, I will be here. Not just today. (laughs) But yeah, so hello, I am Doug. I am also one of the students of conflict here. Future Doug here. So normally we would be joined by the Nick Westbrook as well. He had to call out on us last minute for this recording. Uh, I would also like to apologize for any inconsistencies in the audio quality. This was our first recording session to make sure that the format we had in mind worked out, so we did not have the full audio recording setup that we will have for future episodes. Today we're speaking with Jonathan, Jordan, and Andre, who took the podium at the December 10th Lone Star Conference Tournament in Houston. Uh, they ended up placing, uh, we actually got the entire podium, which is cool uh, for Woo-hoo! this episode, uh, <laughs> placing the third, second, and then first. And so we are excited to be able to, uh, to dive in and ask them some questions. Um, if I could get each of you in turn, um, the factions that you generally play, uh, and then what you played at this particular tournament, um, the round that you're going to be talking about and why, and then uh, uh, we like doing kind of an icebreaker question and so for this one what's the coolest model that you're looking forward to in madness and malifo uh and why so andre what have you got hey y'all i'm andre dimmings uh and the factions that i have played historically i mean obviously i think i'm most famous for my neverborn play with nakima <laughs> but uh since then i had a little bit of a stint with uh mccabe and explorer i'm sorry in 10 thunders uh trying to make you know laser drogamo and laser monks work uh, and had been some fun with that. Uh, and then I settled in for a nice long stint of Maxine One on Explorer Society, and I did that up through Gen Con and Nova. Uh, and now I am on a Penance Crusade, uh, <laughs> playing uh, Arcanists, but specifically Damien. Um, and that's what I played for this particular tournament. Got it. So which, uh, which round are you talking about here? Oh, I'm going to be playing, or I'm talking about round three. Um, it, like my first game, uh, had like a little bit of an interesting avenues of play to learn from, but I think the third game really spoke to a couple of concepts that I think newer players should learn to grasp quickly. And so, uh, I feel like putting that on display would be good. No, that's awesome. Fantastic. And coolest model in, uh, Madness of Malifaux. I gotta go with the Iron Matron. I feel like she is super cool. I love like the regal vibe that she has. And then at the same time, just like having a great sword, having cruel disappointment, very cool pairing. So I, I think she's my favorite that I've seen. Nice. I th- I do think they missed the mark on her a little bit. In fact, the, in that they didn't, you know, 
make any uh, references. There was no like uh, fear of the dark on her card. <laughs> uh, there's mm. no ability like run to the hills. Yeah, missed opportunity. On paper, I really was hoping that Caster would be like my boy, but after his like "Why can't I hold all these limes?" pose came out, I was like, "All right, <laughs> Iron Matron it is." Also, oh, he's a towering uh, figure model uh, that's smaller than the matures. Skinnier than matures, love it. Yeah. so cool. Future Doug here again. I wanted to let you all know that we recorded the interviews for this episode the day before the most recent Errata and FAQ was released. So some of the rules mentioned here may have changed slightly. So we are talking about the uh, December tournament here. Which round did you choose to talk about today? I chose to talk about round three uh, into my boy, John. Um, So he's a a loyal Bayou player and has been playing Bayou for quite a long time. Um, And, you know, like I said, I'm I'm on my, my Damien crusade here. Um, so heading into this round, which for the record was, uh, guard the stash on flank deployment, uh, with breakthrough, vendetta, leave your mark, spread them out and secret meetup. Um, going into this game, I mean, I already have like the fearlessness associated with playing Damien, but, um, John and I had actually played this matchup a couple of times. Um, (laughs) so it was... It was pretty interesting to to see what you know as we iterate on this matchup, what new stuff came out and what he was bringing. Um, so I, I was excited going into round three for this. Which table were you guys on for this one? Uh, we were on table fifteen, I think it was. There's like a couple of like uh, there's yellow crystals on the table, and there's like a little a couple of water features. Okay, the orange crystal table. Yes, okay, cool. yes. <clears throat> um, so. Basically, coming into this round, I knew he was playing Wong. He's been mainlining Wong for quite some time. Uh, and we, like I said, we had, prior to this, been playing uh, Damien v. Wong matchups just for me to break in Damien uh, and then for him to see if there's anything he could come up with to try and stop it. Uh, <laughs> and frankly, I feel like Wong has some sauce, but uh, it the sauce was not enough uh, for round three. So how uh, what did the score end up being... When all things were said and done. Uh, it was a clean, well-earned 8-0. Oh, okay then. <laughs> so, so now, you may get into this, but just that you're like, hey, Wong, and this was Wong 2, right? Or Wong 1? This was Wong 1. Wong 1, yeah. Okay, Wong and you're one. like, Wong 1 has maybe got a chance against Damien. And so, is that, well, I'm looking forward to hearing about it, but I'm like, is that true? Looking at a NATO, <laughs> it's like if, if he's Bayou's best chance. How much time do I want to spend? I'm a Bayou player too. For those who don't know, <laughs> how much time do I want to spend trying to figure out? Uh, maybe not immediately, but towards the end of this year, you know, if if he if he's our best chance, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> no, no, I think I think it came down to a couple of key decisions. Yeah, a couple of key decisions got made. I think for this matchup that when when damien breaks you you break in half okay. so like you can if you if you can avoid getting to that point it's okay but uh i was able to push past that and then there wasn't any coming back from it once damien gets on that okay guy. so now leading into the tournament mm-hmm. how did you prep for uh the the tournament in general how did you prep for this round like what lead up uh, did cuz obviously you know i put the uh 
uh, man, the pools out there mm-hmm. a reasonable amount of time ahead of time. And so when you're able to see that, kind of what do you do? What What's your uh, thought process going into a tournament in general, more specifically uh, this round? Uh, so as with pretty much all tournaments that I play, I try to pick a master and mainline it. I don't like jumping around from master to master. It's more models for me to carry around. And I also like being able to fill in the gaps of where, you know, people think they're bad, but are they really? Um, and obviously that w- really wasn't an issue uh, for Damien. But prepping for this... Uh, you didn't even have to bring any models with you this time. I didn't. My TO was so kind as to just offer me his entire lineup. Um, and so for Guard the Stash specifically, I feel like I was going to be fine. Guard the Stash is really one of those slow burn kind of strategies and on an aggressive deployment like flank, uh, you really don't have to think about it too, too hard until like the end of turn two. And for the most part, you can just kind of keep a model in reserve and set them off to the side. And then at, like the very end of the turn, just run up and, you know, grab an uncontested marker and then play for the real scrum round three, especially on a corner deployment where there's four stashes on the center line. Um, so I wasn't too worried about scoring the strategy. Uh, so basically, it kind of gave me a little bit of like, you know, two and a half rounds of vacation of just like fighting and getting to do what I want uh, and then kind of figuring out the point scoring later. Um, but at the same time, uh, knowing I was playing into Wong uh, and John's version of Wong as well, uh, he loves Bo Peep and his crew and he did take Bo Peep. Uh, so I figured Vendetta was going to be a layup with Mia uh, and Leave Your Mark is always a scheme where if you if your win condition is I have tabled my opponent leave your mark is like one of the easiest schemes to score yeah um so i took that because it was i was definitely going for a kill now worry about points later um and it worked out that way and you said you had vendetta (laughs) of mia on bo peep correct yes i had mia to bo peep because mia while she only has a stat five jinx uh bo has a four willpower uh and because of refraction i can comfortably cast jinx from my deployment zone uh through my frontline models to then just okay. start poking bow in the face uh and you know a one two three damage track isn't great but that's actually kind of the point like no one's just like burning to stone off that damage because the injured's not a damage based writer anyway um so they'll they'll often accept the first few points of damage from jinx um without stoning it off which makes it an ideal uh delivery system for vendetta um so that was definitely something that i was looking uh, to score there um, but like I said for the rest of it it was basically uh, kill stuff and you know let the gods sort them out later in terms of point scoring but it did work yeah I mean I definitely know that there's times where it's like oh when I go with a vendetta I'm like okay I'm gonna hit the big guy who hits really big and hard and then I accidentally kill them it's like I flip a red on it and go well I guess they're dead now yeah well and the great part about Bo Peep as a vendetta target. Like, she's real cheap, so it's hard to get someone who will score it, and she's also fast. So normally getting to her is a problem, um, but she does kind of tend to play a close support to the frontline kind of role. Um, so with the kind of range that Mia could bring, and at her cost, obviously, being an important mm-hmm. one, I uh, felt like it was going to be good. And Bo Peep will also often accept damage just because she's uh, able to heal. It's like So she could just go in and like slap a couple of models and get hit points back. Uh, so models that like to heal are more often willing to accept dropping to at least half, uh, and then just being like, oh, dang, I gave it Vendetta later. Uh, so that was my thought process. I know that he took Vendetta from Sammy into Lohith, 
which is just like a little bit of a different bag because Lohith doesn't like taking any damage where possible and armor makes it more annoying to actually bring him to half. Um, so that worked out more in my favor. And he's literally made of yeah. stones. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So now, during the game, so obviously yeah, we've got the uh, thought process on mm-hmm. the schemes, why you chose the schemes, kind of the approach you were taking to this there. What kind of loops did John end up throwing you for? Because he said that Wong could uh, pair well against Damien. Now, obviously, the score didn't quite reflect that there because I mean, eight zero. But what is it about uh, Wong that makes you say that Wong is a good uh, good to take into Damien? Uh, so there's a couple of different things that Wong brings to the kit that I think are important for this matchup. Uh, the first one is that his crew nearly universally either has evasive or blast resistant. Uh, and so Damien's like big height of power, disgusting turns are being able to cook off a double blast with severe injury <laughs> into the middle of your crew, drawing it from wherever he wants to kind of deal uh, and wiping out, you know, a third to a half of your crew in a big juicy activation. Uh, with blast resistance, uh, a lot of that just gets cut in half immediately. Because even if he's hitting for severe on the primary target, everyone else is dropping from four damage to two damage right off the bat. And that's huge. Uh, the other thing that I would say that Wong as a crew, or for his front line, uh, that is really good into Damien 2, who I consider the stronger master, is that they have uh, magically infused body. So Alphonse and the Swine Curse, which is what he ended up taking, um, have magically infused body, which means that the more glowy you can dump on them, uh, the more damage that they are able to take th- from Damien, who can't really stop them from using magically infused body uh, to reduce that damage. So if you're able to you know, do a Haka in your deployment zone and juice them up with five and six glowy and then get them back to full health your swine curse effectively have like 14 hit points uh to stop damien from eating them and even with a great hand damien is not guaranteed to hit severe every time while hitting every time um obviously it becomes more likely as the severe injury stacks on um and you might lose a swine curse but with infused body for everyone else especially like i said with like the blast four you drop one glowy and you've dropped four damage down to one damage. Uh, so really they're able to kind of tank through the pain Damien can dish. Um, and the same can be said for Wong himself because Wong one just front of card says you can't declare triggers. So if Damien wants to try and yank him in and eat him, it will have to be done, you know, a la mode in terms of <laughs> how of actually dealing the damage uh, because he's not going to be able to get any of his, array of disgusting triggers off um so in that regard i think wong has a lot of play uh into damien but it must be played very well is the issue because you want to be able to threaten damien with reprisal when he goes in for the kill um and this game he spread out he spread to the edges he kind of threw a swine curse off to the left and a swine curse off to the right um and so in some of our previous games uh we had been talking about how important it is to attack Damien's backline uh, because Damien wants you to attack Damien. Damien doesn't care. Like, you're not going to get triggers. He has an absurd wound pile. He can heal. Like, dude's right. gross. Oh, yeah. Those are my suits now. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So he wants, if you're going to punch anybody in the face, he wants you to punch him and Lohith in the face. So if you're going to deal meaningful, lasting damage to Damien and his game plan, you got to go for the backline. So with that in mind, he was like, cool, I'm going to go wide. 
Um, the problem is when I got to start eating a swine curse to turn, I, there was nothing threatening me on the reprisal. So what happened was he double tossed a swine cursed up with Alphonse um, and started well, it basically got him to a range where he was threatening uh, one of my gammon. And to his credit, it did force me to activate Damien early uh, because with the reconfiguration or with the configuration, uh, I want to, you know, you're supposed to juice up, cycle all your bad cards into the config, get free suits and slam. Uh, but he was like, all right, cool. I can 100% kill one, possibly two Soulstone Gammon right here if you don't answer me right now. Um, and so in that regard, that was good. And for that Damien's turn one activation, I dealt two points of damage. That's wine cursed. Because um, he had good cards and I hit for men twice. I couldn't get Lohith Aura up in time. Uh, so like it was really in that specific instance, it was a good call. But he also ran the other swine cursed up the other side and started running it into Lohith. And the problem is with both of his, you know, Bacon Cruise missiles spent, uh, I didn't have anything left to fear once those models were engaged and stuck in. Um, and so that ended up being the problem is that he, his group was not cohesive enough. Wong couldn't support them with healing and glowy uh, because they were already too far deep into the crew. Uh, and so once his front line crumbled, that kind of gave me free reign of the game. Because even though Damien didn't kill that Swankers that round, the fact that I can draw a line of sight for all of my actions from my back line uh, through Damien, uh, that Swankers was like, all right, cool. I'm going to walk over to here and I'm going to disengage. And I neck flipped him severe. And he's like, crap. All right, cool. I'll, I'm going to try and get away again. And he got away. But then everyone else was like, all right, cool. We got a bunch of guns and range fire powered. Right, down, dead. Um, so like I said, like there was like there, there are beginnings of like good strategy and like understanding of how the crew works, because rushing Damien is a decent idea because it doesn't let him get his configuration set up like he wants it. Um, and then at the same time, like avoiding balling is normally a good idea to Damien because of all the blasts, but Wong can kind of tank through that. Uh, so he just, I think at the end of the day, Wong's greatest strategy is to just juice all of his boys, stay close knit, relatively speaking, like force him to get the double blast in order to get the next model, but kind of close. And then just pile drive his backline until he runs out of stuff. Go get him, boys! Yeah! Exactly. Yeah, you, you got to go sack the QB. You cannot worry about that O-line right now. Um, so I think that is what ended up breaking it. Because once he had no front line, all he had was backline. And Damien is more than happy to eat your backline. <laughs> uh, so which is what yielded the 8-0. Yeah. Was he able to put down the Soulstone Gammon on that? No. Oh, okay. So... Now, if he had, was and was that cards or was that it was opportunity? Yeah, if he had put that down, would that have would that have changed the game? You know, as a uh, you know, it's it because that messes up the ability to do the configuration. And I I'm this is this is me as having played against Damien once, right? So mm. so yeah, talk talk me through like good, bad, or indifferent. Is the Soulstone Gammon a target worth going after? And and if so, yeah, do you have to put it down? So it's not intuitive because like the gammon by itself isn't doing anything flashy or exciting. Like you can throw out a healing at up to range like 11, depending on your refractions. Uh, but the big deal that it has is it is a statistic, you know, a strategically significant model for four soul stones. It is move five. It has armor, which is neat, but it really is to house the yeah. soul. Uh, so being able to keep cards in your configuration turn to turn is real big. Um, and not only that, it is an activation that adds to the configuration, which is uh important as well because if you don't have seven models you're not going to add seven cards to the configuration like you want to um so every time you can kill a gammon hopefully inactivated he's losing out on the permanent kept card turn to turn and on the card 
that he gets to add to to try and pull suits from uh, in the turn itself. Um, so there's a lot of value lost in addition to the healing uh, from the gammon if they die. They also have the ability, because they have an attack that doesn't deal damage, that has what they, uh, the trigger's called prioritize, it allows you to pull cards from your configuration back into your hand. Um, so if he's running low on cards and is willing to give up one of his baked suits, he can just start refilling his hand with gammon who are just like attacking each other like a pillow fight in the back line. Um, and so the gammon provide a, an insane amount of utility for four soul stones. Uh, so wiping those out is a very important if you want to make Damien hurt. Now, what prevented him from uh, what? So you said he mm -hmm. chucked the uh, swine curse up there. I'm assuming that Damien lit into him. The swine curse still had not activated, but you said he only ended up doing two mm -hmm. damage to the swine curse. What ended up preventing uh, that swine curse from saying, "Oh, well, that tickled," and then running over and uh, you know murdering a couple of uh, uh, dancing rocks? <laughs> I think the big thing that really roasted his day is that uh damien had engaged him which was and i had engaged him in such a way that he would ha had trouble getting past damien to get to my back line so i'd hit a mass trigger on the damien's attacks twice so i kind of scooted him back but kept him engaged and so what what does the mask trigger uh, the mass trigger on damien i get to push models damaged uh up to two up to two inches for every mask i flip uh, in any direction. So it kind of gives me the free reign of where I want that model to go. Um, and then the other aspect to it, of Damien's kit that was important is that I pulled him in first uh, with chain, uh, I think it's Chains of the Tyrant, um, yeah. to make sure that he was engaged. So I wanted to make sure that he did not have free reign of mobility and that he had to make decisions that were bad. So I engaged him and he was at max distance. So, and he didn't want to start blowing cards like spamming heroic intervention or anything like that. Um, and he wasn't in range for that, even close for the gammon. So, like, with his full move, he could have gotten to it. But because Damien was in the way, and he was further away than what he was anticipating, um, even with the walk and the disengage, he still wasn't in range to make that work. Okay. Now, I did also luckily flip Severe on the disengage reduction uh, to prevent him from moving when he tried to leave my melee, but he was already deciding to head a different way rather than trying to go after the gammon. So either way, it wouldn't have worked. Okay, so the entire effort of launching him into the back line to hopefully wipe out the gammon was just kind of like he got into the back line and then just yeah couldn't couldn't done he just got caught and floundered yeah, okay and i would say if i was going to give evidence or, or give advice uh to seeing that matchup again like you know your swine curse are going to go down like there's no way they're not right but if they can if you can allow them to dive anyway and just get one good hit in uh and if they can bring down a soulstone gammon is it a beautiful trade no but you certainly don't want to have it die and show nothing for it. Because um, either way, I'm going to have to spend... Because Damien's already gone by that point. I'm going to have to spend quality time killing it. You might as well try to get something for your bang for your buck. Because um, once you're in in a Damien ball, you're not getting out of the Damien ball. Now, uh, so obviously, I mean, you scored 8-0 on John mm -hmm. there. We've got, you know, uh, some nice information on how John could have played this better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounded like, you know, he's definitely learned what you can do by playing up against this matchup before and then just happened to fall into your trap and, well, quite frankly, Damien is really powerful. Now, 8-0 doesn't sound like, hey, you could have done better, but here's a question. What could you have done better in this game? Because just because you scored 8-0 doesn't mean you played a perfect game. 
And that is true. Um, I will say that I only realized partway through this game that Lohith can throw rocks through Damien, um, which is helpful <laughs> information. I actually do recall making a mistake that took made, forced me to spend more time killing the other swine cursed, uh, which was I should have stoned for the mask on Lohith's trigger, uh, which will let him place into base contact with the target. Uh, which is essentially like a 14-inch teleport because I was casting it through Damien. Oh, that's a big meaty teleport right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to use as much meteor 346 damage track to finish off the Gammon. Or, I'm sorry, the uh, Swine Cursed. And I just didn't do that. I flipped it, and then I looked at my card, and I was like, oh, damn, I should have Soulstone for this. Um, so then it cost me Bellaventine's <laughs> act- activation as well uh, since I just plum forgot to do that. Um, so the, even with that game and as dominant of a show as that was, it, there are still things that I could have done better and did learn that game. And I, I think that sounds like that is the, as we said before, getting your reps mm-hmm. in, learning your crew inside and out, upside down, and just knowing how to, because you know what, there, no matter how powerful a crew is, sometimes you're going to have a garbage hand, and, but knowing what your crew can still do then helps you get around that garbage hand. Exactly. Well, and the other thing I'll say is this is merely the latest iteration in a back and forth between me and John. So the whole reason that I was like, oh man, I have to activate my master right now despite having nothing in the config uh, to go engage the swine cursed is because the last game we played, uh, I had kicked a can in a Carver Path game into his Wong one, and he just just rocketed the swine curse across the map and slapped my uh, soul scam to death in one hit. And I was in no position to answer it. And I was like, oh, that didn't feel good. I'm going to have to stop this. Um, so that so this game was merely me iterating on that previous game where I was like, oh, no, I know exactly what the range on that thing is. I'm going to make sure that it doesn't get to do what it did last time. Um, so, yeah, definitely put in reps. Yeah, that's cool. How about, how about for – so, uh, yeah, and obviously we've talked some about some of the Bayou answers to you playing Damien. Damien. Just generic new player or relatively new player, maybe even just like you know somebody who's good enough to be trying to fight against Damien as opposed to just get crushed against Damien. What kind of advice would you give for that? You know, it's and 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 not against you. Okay, I totally get it. If I'm going up against you, you know, you know, praying for maybe a one eight, right? I got it. It's that's cool. But for an average player playing Damien, you know, you know, mm. I, I match up against Arcanist. I'm going, oh, crap, it's either going to be Hoffman or Damien. I, I kind of know what to do against mm. Hoffman. What on earth do I do against, whether I'm playing Bayou or whatever, what do, what do I do against Damien? I would say the two biggest pieces of advice I can have for people trying to play into Damien is to attack his cards and to stay spread out enough that blasting isn't helpful. Um, so for the most part, Damien doesn't really want to actually aggress that far. He's got that wonderful bonus action that drags people into him, uh, and he wants to fight you in his auras. Like, Lohith has just a very strong aura, and Damien also wants you to not be able to use soul stones, which is an aura that he has, and that only goes out to range four. So for the most part, uh, he's going to kind of try and take a central command of the board, but not really, you know, go out to the flanks and the edges that much. So with that being the case, if you stay spread, it sounds dumb, but you'll lose a maximum of one model a turn to Damien if you spread out and don't play to his game. So play range if you can um, and attack his hand because 
it from someone who hadn't played Damien before, I thought that configuration was the most brain dead ability, but it's not. It's actually hard to maintain what suits you want in there while not giving up good cards. Because being able to bake in a crow is real neat, but if you're throwing a king crow into the config to make it work, it's not a great exchange. And so oftentimes, right. uh, Damien players will kind of sit in paralyzation of being like, okay, what card do I put in? Because I still have no suits up and I have six cards in this configuration. What am I doing? Um, and to make that decision harder, if you can attack his hand, uh, it really sucks. Uh, so get Mia off the table because she's how he regenerates his hand. Um, and get, uh, like I said, those backliners dead. But like every uh, maim trigger you declare or every drain magic, anything you can do to make his hand just a little bit smaller sucks. Because Damien likes to configure with the bottom part of his hand. So those ones through sixes, he likes to put into the configuration because he doesn't want them in his deck or in his hand anymore. So when you force him to discard two and three cards, he's to those mid cards. He's like, do I really want to throw a nine or a ten in here uh, in order to make this work? Um, and so... Damien, one, does like to put some of those in there. He get, does get that little bonus, and they can play out of it. He does, but the issue still remains that he is limited to a number of cheats equal to his hand size. Because if he has right. seven seven right. cards in his hand and seven cards in his configuration, he can still only cheat seven times. So every drain magic or main that you land lowers the number of times he gets to cheat that round. Um, and like I said, also presents harder decisions to throw things into the configuration as the turn goes on. I would actually say that Damien 1's configuration game ends up being harder. Uh, because Damien 2 is brain... It, it's much more mindless. Where it's like, cool, whatever suit I need, low card, got it, done. But Damien One's like, oh, but I could put this here for later. And so it really, uh, it sounds like it should be easier, but it's really not. And so anything you can do to mess with that and force the Damien player into his own head, thinking about his hand rather than what you're doing, is important. Uh, I will say as someone, I fought Andre round uh, two. And as someone playing into a Damien, the thing I noticed, it's a Damien two. He can always reach you. No matter right. where you think you are, no matter if you think you're safe, something in his crew will be able to reach you because of the uh, refraction. Or just the amount of movement that mostly Marco can do. Marco and Bellaventine. Like, at one point, I think Bellaventine, I've got your back to Damien, like, 14 inches mm -hmm. across the board. Like, it's... The crew is crazy mobile and stupidly ranged. They... No matter where you... If you think you're safe, they can reach you. So... Just know that you that if you want something dead, he will probably get th that. Just have a plan for everything to die, every any one particular thing to die. Stupid question here, but is that just straight like if he can see? Is that line of sight? Is that does concealing help any? What's that? So ref refraction, uh, it does, but refraction is effectively that uh, they can all any how's the soul model being low hith the totem or any of the gammon uh, or through Damien. Anyone else can uh, draw line of sight through their non claw actions, non claw non aura. Right. I think. Uh, so so Mia's sitting back eight inches behind Lohith, shooting out of him ten inches out of his face. So Mia never leaves the deployment zone and can still hand you three injured a turn. Like They will be able to reach you. And it also opens up a lot of scoring opportunity for them as well, because if I have to kick a can within one inch of myself but I can draw range from my front line, the gammon never have to get close in order to interact with like schemes and strategies and stuff like that. Oh my god, so the, the, the gammon can kick the can through a friend correct or hand off the uh cursed, cursed object marker yep. cursed object token <laughs> you can hand the token through through logan or damien i did not think about that no, no it's, it's not, not nice. <laughs> that's mean uh-huh wow 
Why do you hate friends? <laughs> I love my friends. That's why I'm playing this master. It's like because there was a situation like to explain my whole crusade is that after UK Nationals, people were like, oh, Damien didn't dominate the UK Nationals. And there's like 100 players there. Damien must not be that good. Um, and so to put those kind of naysayers to rest, uh, that is why I'm playing Damien. I don't like playing Damien. Damien for me is not fun to play because either I win and I don't feel like I earned it or I lose and I feel like the biggest idiot in the world. Um, and so there is the only victory is that hopefully this gets enough traction that people are like, okay, yeah, this is dumb. He needs to be looked at. Wait, wait, wait. You, you just said something, though. You said, or you lose and you feel like an idiot. Wait, wait, wait. You lose with Damien? I have not yet what? lost with Damien, but, like, I'm afraid of losing with Damien. I guess <laughs> but you, 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 you anticipate <laughs> yeah. you would feel like an idiot then. Correct, so yes. This is not an, so this is not a uh, sensation you have personally experienced yet? It is not. Well, and what I would say is I've had scenarios where I was like, ah, God, that was dumb. Could I lose this? Please don't tell me I lose this based off that decision. Um, and so I've had like moments of fear where I'm like, oh, man, I could I could really take the L here. Um, but, and then feeling like I've let everyone down because like it's such like it's an NPE to play into. And so I'm like, I have to make this worth it uh, to play into. And so if I lose on this, like I, I'm just letting people down. So that's that's where I'm at. He goes back to the long check stats and sees that the percentage goes down a point. He's like, oh. <laughs> but you you get you experience that fear of playing the horribly broken thing and running in to go. Oh man, am I the person who's gonna go? Oh, this actually isn't that broken and <laughs> fail in your quest. And that's really the kicker is that I would say that Damien is unintuitive to play. So for like me, for like right. mediocre and below players, uh, looking at Damien and playing Damien, you're like, I don't really get it. Like, he's kind of okay, I guess. Uh, but once you start getting into like that top third of players that have been putting time in on Damien, uh, he's nearly impossible to stop. So, it, And that's the issue. Is He's not a brain-dead master to play. Like, Is he insanely overpowered? Yes. But the problem is there's so many tools in this kit that in order to use them all correctly, you actually have to be very good at the crew. Um, okay, well, that, that leads me to a mm -hmm. question here. So for your bottom third, middle third players, what if they want to pick up Damien? If they want to, you know, join, join the cult <laughs> of witness... <laughs> Mm. What do they need the to do side. to, you know, effectively yes, run a Damien crew? Since it is not, it's not a mindless pick up and win. It is a this is super powerful in already powerful hands. What does a middle tier, bottom tier player need to do to harness the power of Damien properly? I would say the biggest things that you need to keep track of. I mean, and it sounds obvious, but like playing with the configuration is the most important part of turning on the crew because there's so many triggers in the crew that like baking them in has insane value. Uh, and so a lot of the times, uh, especially in my first couple of games on Damien, uh, I just spent quality time staring at my own hand, like, I don't know what to do. Like, does this go in here? Do I want to try and bake in Rams? I've got a lot of Rams. Do I do the Rams? And so like getting past that was the hardest part for me, um, especially as your hand dwindles where it's like, okay, cool. I have the black Joker in hand and a 12 tome. Do I reconfigure here? Uh, I can't, I feel like that's the wrong call. Um, and so right. at the same time, uh, playing with the configuration and then figuring out what's worth cheating and what's not worth cheating because it all comes down to being able to properly manage your hands. So for like mediocre players getting into Damien, 
prepared to lose based on not having managed the configuration the first couple of times. But once you get used to it, um, I think you'll be in a lot better position. The other thing I would say is, especially if you're going to mainline Damien too, if you're if you're just going to try and get lost in the sauce, uh, <laughs> get try to figure out everything you can do using refraction because like using i've got your back through refraction was one of the key points oh, in my God, game against yeah mm-hmm. one of my key points in the game against jordan is that he had a, his other model for hidden martyrs still on the table uh on turn five and i was like i don't know how i'm gonna get over there and i'm like oh wait no i do so i knocked damien intentionally into engagement and then i've got your back to him eight plus six plus base size inches uh across the board and then immediately into threat range for that other model. And so Jordan, who had just been blowing past tokens waiting for me to tap out, was like, oh, never mind, this this news reporter's going to go now. Um, and, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so being able to stay mindful of what all of the tools in your kit are and realizing that you can use them nearly anywhere on the board if you can draw it right, uh, between that and the configuration, those are the two strongest tools that you need to master if you want to get like scary at Damien. But I would also caution a newer player from from trying to play Damien too, because I, I don't think that's going to be healthy for your game in in general. Because because so many of his behaviors are counter to what's normal for the rest of Malifo crews. I think it's going to warp your your idea of how to play and 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 what's expected. So I would get some reps in with some different masters first. And if you want, I mean, if you want to play around with Damien, that's fine. But I don't I I don't think that's a good way to start out. Yeah, he's too focused on his own hand. Stone users don't die that fast usually, and just drawing ranges like those are all just important things to learn that he doesn't have to right no i i uh something i've been kicking around because you know i'd been looking at damien after gen con and then after nova i'm like i feel bad doing that so i haven't um i feel like uh for a newer player having a trigger reference card for the crew saying hey these cards love these suits in my configuration and these characters love these suits in my configuration and damien just wants everything in the configuration because i'm damien that makes good sense all right uh any other questions for andre that was fantastic discussion there i appreciate it very much yeah yeah is, is it too personal, Andre, to ask you about the list name uh, for this crew? The list name is called The Bog Standard uh, because I ran the, the I, I ran this crew uh, every round of the tournament, uh, and it didn't need to change. Um, and so, and it's very similar to what I saw ran at uh, Nova. Uh, the only difference is that I did not okay. take Soulstone Cash on Mia and... Uh, David Longton did. Uh, he was more afraid of people diving Mia. It drops you down okay. four stones. I didn't love it. And frankly, Mia can fight at ranges where I just don't think she gets threatened that much. So I liked the extra soul stones. Um, I, which uh, one of our other players, Rob Perry, ran that crew that I'm using now into me uh, at the Houston GT. <laughs> um, and so it it looks nice. I figured he's probably right. Mia didn't need the soul stone cash. And it so far has worked out. Quite well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I ran into that exact long awesome. 10 list at Nova Open. And mm-hmm. that was, uh... Anything else you have to say about David, he is an excellent crew builder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the crew is already very finely crafted um, because there's, you know, there's some other options Damien has available in his keyword and even like as out of keyword picks um, because Arcanists do have a very strong, versatile lineup. But the 
Right. Keyword plays so well with its own mechanics that you just don't really need to venture outside the boundaries of the Pride Lands. And you get so much value out of the Gammon, <laughs> out of Mia, out of Marco. Um, that you, it, it doesn't need much changing, if at all. Uh, there are some people that will say that you might want to play Damien 1 into like armor matchups instead of Damien 2, but frankly, there's so much value that Damien 2 brings to the table through refraction that I am not yet convinced that it's worth swapping out. Well, heck, that, that Marco Bonatti, I mean, Ink Fingers. Oh, yeah. Makes you really content. It's like, well, it makes them use their hand because they're like, well, if I don't use this, I lose it anyways. Or when I played it, because I was playing uh, Titania 2, um, it's the, well, I have to cheat to get uh, the initiative every single turn or I'm losing my champions against him there. Or anything where you say, hey, you have to discard a card at the end of the turn to get this effect. Well, if Marco Bonatti is going first, you no longer have a hand. Yeah. Well, and the, uh, the oh, other thing that I actually, my favorite part about Marco's card is Etheric Calibrator because crows are like a given, like you're for sure going to bait crows for the crew. It's just the best suit for them. Um, and Etheric yeah. Calibrator lets you peek at the top of the deck at your starting reactivation and decide whether or not to discard it. But it has the same timing as, re as the configuration. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you can decide to peek at the top of your deck and discard it before you reconfigure. And so so you can be like, oh, I'm going to drop That's this awesome. ace in my configuration, but before I do, I'm going to see what card I'm going to get out of this. And I'm like, oh, is that good enough for wow. me? No, it's not. All right, I'm going to take the next card. Um, so a lot of value out of that model. All right. So, well, thank you all for sticking with us. But, uh, we got any parting thoughts from uh, any of our guests here? No, we got nothing but quietness because we are done. So we'll edit it. <laughs> we have covered everything. We have exhaustively learned everything there is to learn about Malifaux. And we're done. Yep. We never need oh, the final podcast of all time <laughs> is this one. You know, no other Yeah, exactly. It is the be all end all yep. of Malifaux podcast. It. Yeah, it's about two hours. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I always have to sign off saying that I will continue to be in the kingdom of Stan until I'm dead. Long may the God Empress reign. But it's uh Yeah. It's about Long live the Queen though, man. Long live the Queen. I respect it. I respect it, Tanya. Uh fealty will feel where fealty is cool. due, bro. I'll go. write about it in my newspaper. <laughs> All, right. All right, guys, appreciate it. It was really fun. Thanks Thank so, much. so much. Yep, appreciate y'all. Thank you for setting this up. Goodbye, everybody. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malfo terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! Slow play. Slow, Slow play. play. Learn your lessons. Slow play the podcast. Call the TO over. Now recording. Okay. <laughs>